0: So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com.
1: Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.
2: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! From Hollywood, it's time now
3: for Evan O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. This
4: is Mrs. Ernest Caldwell,
3: Mr. Dollar. Oh yes, Mrs. Caldwell. I'm the investigator your insurance company has hired to look for your son.
5: Yes, I understood that from the message you left. Howard is dead, Mr. Dollar.
3: When did you learn this?
5: I don't have to learn. It's one of those things, a mother. My son was a part of me. And when he died, I felt it.
3: Oh, I see. Well, an insurance company is bound to operate from a basis of fact, not intuition. If you're going to be in this afternoon, I'd like to drop by and talk to you about him.
6: Edmund O'Brien in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. <laughs> America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly Johnny Dollars.
3: Expense account submitted by special investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Britannia Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the Howard Caldwell matter. Expense account item one: six dollars and fifty cents, transportation round trip between my Hartford apartment and the Caldwell country estate. From every angle, inside and out, the place looked more like a museum than a dwelling. And Mrs. Caldwell struck me as the mother of all the answers as to why boys leave home.
5: I don't know why Howard left. I simply can't understand it. No mother could have been more devoted than I. Except school, I never left him alone for a moment. I made him share everything with me. I protected him and I advised him. And yet.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, now let's get these facts in order. Name Hard. Age 23, left here for San Francisco, California, about a year ago. What was he doing in San Francisco?
5: Oh, he was studying to be an artist in a rather deceitful way. He knew I didn't approve. He told me he wanted to go to the coast to see a football game. Then he wired me that it had been delayed. And the next thing I knew, this letter arrived, saying that he'd met some people out there, that he didn't need any money. And that he'd enrolled in this art school. I didn't believe it. I knew he was in trouble then.
3: What's the name of the school?
5: Uh, The Orlando School of Art. I wrote and begged him to come back. And he answered that he thought it would be better if he didn't. As if he were being threatened.
3: Why would anybody threaten him?
5: Why, I don't know. He told me very little of what he was doing. That's why I knew he was in trouble. Because we always shared everything. He'd never kept secrets from me.
3: I think you're exaggerating this thing, Mrs. Gordon. I tell
5: you, I'm not. You haven't
3: told me any one thing that I what can... What
5: should I think when he writes that I'll never see him again? When he tells me not to go to the police because it won't do any good. That he's gone to another life. Here. Here's a letter. Read it for yourself.
3: The letter did say that. The date on it was a week old, and it went on to make other vague references to danger and death. But a statement that the mother had ignored came to my mind closest to the truth. Howard Caldwell had written, If I had been mentally equipped for life as other people are, this wouldn't have happened, and I could have lived. Johnny Dollar is the end. Oh,
5: yes,
7: Mr. Dollar. Just a second. Well, Dollar, that was a quick trip. What do you think of Mrs. Caldwell?
3: Well, that's neither here nor there. How'd she happen (laughs) to you?
7: Her lawyer advised her to. We carry a big policy on the sun. The lawyer told her that putting the problem in our life is the best way to do it. And there was something about a letter advising her not to go to the police. Yeah, I read it. Well, we ordinarily don't do this sort of thing, as you know, but it's a matter of $200,000. Did it sound like suicide to you? Well, it
3: sounded vague. He's been writing his mother a lot of double talk that she's been interpreting in her own motherly way. Uh Uh-huh. He was supposed to come home this summer and didn't. I don't know what to make of it. If you want to find out anything, you won't get it from her.
7: Could you go out to San Francisco?
3: Oh, sure, but let's not share this with Mrs. C. She'd probably beat me out there. (laughs) Expense account item two, $200, airfare and incidental costs, Hartford to San Francisco. Expense account item three, 170 cab fare from my hotel, the Bellevue, to the last known address of Howard Caldwell, a brownstone in a row of brownstones on Taylor, a street that climbs one of San Francisco's seven hills. The apartment house manager was in and would oblige. Well, he hasn't been here for a week and a half. I've been taking his
7: mail up to his apartment, but his box gets so full they can't get any more in. The apartment is still on his name? He paid up three months in advance. Do hmm. you mind if I look it over? Well, I suppose it's all right. If you are trying to help us. It, it's up here. Mr. Caldwell, say anything to you about leaving? Well, no, he didn't. And I hope there isn't any trouble. But you'd think he'd come for some of his clothes if there wasn't, wouldn't you? They're still here? I couldn't help noticing after he'd been gone so long. Without a word. Oh, sure. Yeah, this is it. 22. After you. Thanks. Has all his mail on the table. I hope everything's all right. He's a nice, likable young man.
3: Know any of his friends?
7: Well, no, I don't. I expect he had some though. He was out at night lots. He never came home drunk or anything. No.
3: Well, if you don't mind, I I uh, think I'll run through the place. I won't be long.
7: Well, I suppose it's all right as long as I'm here. <laughs>
3: After I'd finished, I knew very little about Howard Caldwell that I hadn't already known. The letters on the table were, as to be expected, all from his mother. A drawer in a bedside table gave me something too odd to be ignored. Twenty-five or thirty match folders, all from bars or restaurants, all empty of matches, and each marked in pencil with a date. The earliest, May 4th, 1950, the most recent, September 12th. A closet gave me a portfolio of sketches from various perspectives, and they looked like a brunette. Nothing else in the place seemed to point in any direction, so I copied the addresses on the match folders and helped myself to three of the most descriptive sketches. Expense account item four $1.30 cab fare to the Orlando School of Art. <laughs>
5: I'm Beatrice Orlando. Did you wish to see me?
3: Yes, I'm a private investigator from Hartford, Connecticut. I'm here trying to locate a student of yours.
5: Howard Caldwell.
3: Oh, that's right. You're fast.
5: Not at all. I take a personal interest in my students. It was so strange the way he just stopped coming to class. He's doing so nicely and seemed to enjoy his work. Is he in trouble?
3: I don't know. I wonder if you could tell me which of his classmates were personal friends of his.
5: Well, I don't think any of them were.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. look at these
5: oh. Yes, that's Howard's work Excellent, don't you think? Oh, and that model, she must be a gorgeous girl
3: Isn't she one of your models?
5: I only wish she were Remarkable, the lines and planes
3: yeah. uh, uh, Do you think she's real?
5: Drawn from life, of course <laughs> No wonder he didn't bother to make
3: friends here <laughs> Expense account item five, $45, see enclosed bar tabs. That night, I started making the rounds of the addresses I'd copied from Howard Caldwell's collection of dated match folders. They led me from San Francisco's North Beach section to another area called the Mission, across the bay to the city of Oakland, and back to San Francisco. The only pattern I could set up was that none of the joints were worth remembering. They were neighborhood bars, as a rule. And the routine in each was about the same, except that the one called the stop sign. Is the drink all right, mister? Yeah, it's fine. Say, I wonder if you could help me. How? I'm looking for an old friend of mine. I understand he used to come into this bar. Here.
6: Here's a
3: photograph of him. Name's Howard.
6: No. No, I don't remember him. I got a mind for faces, too.
3: Well, then look at this. It's only a sketch. Have you ever seen a girl who looks like this?
6: It's a gag. No, it isn't. Makes you think it would be. You mean this is a drawing of a real dame? That's right. And for 10 or 20 bucks extra, I can have the genuine photograph to hang up behind my... Get out of here.
3: Wait a minute. Has somebody tried to sell you a deal like that?
6: You're the first, and I can tell you won't go over in this town. I'm
3: not trying to sell you anything.
6: Well, then go someplace else and don't try. I never saw the guy or the dame, and I don't expect to. good night. Hey. Hey,
7: let me see a picture, will you? Sorry, Mac, it's private. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I know who she is. Why should you? Because I know everybody that comes to this bar. If her boyfriend's name is Howard, I bet I know him. That's what I said it was. Did you say it was Caldwell? Where
3: can we talk? Come on, outside.
6: You know where Caldwell is? Yes, sucker, I know where he is. Keep it quiet. Hey. We'll both keep it quiet, huh? I'll take this out of your ribs if you play ball.
3: That's a deal.
7: Up to the corner then and across the street. Now across that parking lot. The yellow club coupe. Uh, don't bother memorizing the license number. It's phony.
3: Here he is. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Get in the back. We could drive out toward the beach, J.B. What do you think? That's better in here. I'll swing over to Folkman and pick that up. Uh, How'd you get the addresses of these bars? How did you find out about me? We've been waiting for somebody to show up. Been watching his apartment. We saw you go in and then tell you to that school. Is Coldwell alive? Yeah, but he won't stay that way if people start crying. Why not? Who hired you? I'm a private investigator. I'm not supposed to tell people things like that. <laughs> we aren't getting any place, are we? Now, look, from where you sit, how is it going to hurt you to tell us? You're working for the old lady? His insurance company. They carry a <coughs> policy on it. <laughs>
4: well,
7: lay off,
3: J.B., it's not funny
7: devil it is. <laughs> Stupid jerk. Watch it, J.B., will
6: you? I've only got one thing to say, though. Stop looking for them. Leave things the way they are. I'm giving you the best advice anybody
3: could. Drop it. Go on home. Can't do it, I'm stuck. You ought to understand that. It's my business. If I give up on one job, I'll never get another.
7: Yeah, I guess you've got a point at that. Driving back to his hotel, J.B. It's uh, Bellevue, isn't it? <laughs>
3: Yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, what is it?
7: It's 5.30, the early edition (laughs) seeing the streets. What? Who is this? You'll remember when you wake up. Go buy
6: an examiner, page one, headlines.
3: Yes, sir. Huh? Oh, uh, send me some coffee, will you? Uh, And the early examiner. Yes, sir.
4: I think the coffee shop is just (laughs) opening.
3: A couple of cigarettes later, room service arrived. The headline read, Syndicate head found slain in auto trunk. Benjamin Miller, Western gang chief, shot to death. I didn't see how there could be any connection between a dead mobster and the Howard Caldwell matter, but that only proves how wrong an investigator can be.
6: In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Edmund O'Brien. But first, some more of radio's greatest stars. Check in at CBS, The Star's Address, this Sunday night. The first you'll hear are Amos and Andy. Then, a little later this Sunday, we welcome Red Skelton back from summer vacation. With Joey Adams, Eve Arden, Jack Benny, and Corliss Archer already on hand to bring you great comedy, be sure you add Amos and Andy and Red Skelton to your Sunday night listening date starting this Sunday over most of the same CBS stations. And now, back to our star, Edmund O'Brien, and the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: The story under the headlines went on to explain that Benjamin Miller's body had been found in an abandoned car after a phone tip at 11.15 the preceding night. The Chief had been shot to death approximately a week before. It was feared that an underworld war would be touched off by the killing since eastern operators allegedly had threatened to force Miller out of business on the west coast. The police had decided to play a waiting game. No lead and all that. But on page four, there was a picture. Ben Miller in happier days. At his side stood a brunette that matched the one in Caldwell's sketches point for point. Nora Rush with an address on Ardmore Street in Los Angeles. Yes, sir? Does this hotel have a travel agency? It's
5: only six, sir, and they haven't opened, but maybe I could tell. Well, I want
3: to leave for Los Angeles as quickly as I can. What plane is there? Oh,
5: I can tell you that. Just a moment, please. Uh, sir? Yeah. United Airlines have a flight leaving in 45 minutes. Can I make it? It'll be
4: close, sir. I could phone for you and get space if possible.
3: Oh, I'll thank you later, Angel. Uh, Just one more thing. If I get any calls, you don't know where I am, huh? Defense account item 7, $5 cab fare and $5 tip for a taxi driver who got me to the airport in 20 minutes. Item 8, $20, United Airlines, Los yep. Angeles. And item 9, same as 7, taxi trip to Nora Rush's Oddmore Street address. I arrived there at 9.15. She was still in a robe when she answered the door, but the trace of makeup, which was all she needed for her face, and the soft hairdo, made me wonder if she was expecting me.
8: There's certainly no reason to be anything but truthful. Yes, I've been expecting you. Won't you come in, Mr. Thomas? Thanks. Come in here.
3: You have good friends in San Francisco.
8: Yes, I have. Very good friends. Just put your coat any place and sit down.
3: Thank you. Well, then I take it they've told you why I'm on the West Coast.
8: Yes. You've come to look for Howard Caldwell. Um, There's it, coffee. Would you like some?
3: No, thanks. I've had plenty... Do you know where he is?
8: No. No, I don't. No, I I don't know where he is. I don't know.
3: Oh, come on now. Stop that.
4: Why did you go? Why did you go?
3: That was the end of the test run. I rattled around the rest of the place for almost an hour while I waited for her to come out of the bedroom. I didn't feel like snooping, but I couldn't help seeing a framed photograph that had been hastily hidden under a mat on the piano. It was young Caldwell, but not the subdued, dead-faced kid in the picture I'd gotten at his Connecticut estate. Instead, a guy with some enthusiasm in his friendly eyes. I was in the kitchen drinking the coffee when she came out.
8: What are you doing? Waiting for you. Why don't you leave?
3: Well, if I did, somebody else just like me would show up. Maybe he'd make you unhappier than I do. That kind of a racket.
8: I sympathize with you.
3: You should. you put me on the defensive.
8: I hadn't noticed. How did I do that?
3: You started by posing for some sketches. You're stronger in person. You saw them? Yeah. They're in the hotel room in San Francisco. Or at least that's where I left them.
8: Who else saw them?
3: A few bartenders and his art teacher.
8: Oh, that little fool. Tell me he destroyed them you say bartenders?
3: Yeah. He had a match folder collection all dated from a series of nondescript hideaway type bars. Oh, how could he have been
8: so stupid?
3: Could he have been in love?
8: Well, he didn't ask you out of his mind. He lied to me. He told me there was nothing to link us together.
3: What's the difference if there is?
8: Because... Because Howard killed Ben Miller. And nobody will believe it now.
3: Why won't they believe it? It was my gun. Registered. Yes. Where is it?
8: Howard, has it hidden? I loved him and all that, but the truth, I.
3: Has... Oh, you've got to believe. You haven't told me.
8: I will. I will, Mr. Todd. All right. I have to sit down. All right,
3: come on over here. How did you meet Caldwell?
8: I was going with Ben Miller. Not because I thought anything about him, but he was so powerful out here, and I'd just come from Chicago. Caldwell? Well, it was one of those parties. Some of the models from the Orlando school were invited to fill out. It was Howard's school, and one of the girls had talked him into coming. That's when we met. There was something about him. I don't know.
3: This was in May, I take it?
8: I think so. Spring, anyway. He was supposed to go home for the summer and didn't. I'd meet him in these bars, and he'd come to my place when Ben was out of town. He wanted to sketch me, so... But it's not important. Ben saw me meet him and followed us to my apartment.
3: This was at your place? You had an apartment in San Francisco? Yes.
8: Ben hit me, and Howard went for the gun and killed him.
3: He knew where you kept the gun? Yes. Why? How did he know?
8: In case he ever needed it.
3: Miller's body was found stuffed into the trunk of a car.
8: You don't believe me, do you?
3: Well, there are little things like how did he manage to get the body into the trunk of that car and how did he manage to steal the car.
8: I'll tell you. He had help. Everybody knew that combination from the East was moving in on Ben and whatever telling if they had to. So they've been trying to help Howard. And it was all right till you came out here.
3: Oh, that's a pretty good setup. Ben Miller would be checked off as a gang killing. The kind they so seldom get around to solving. When it cooled off, you could take up where you dropped them. I didn't kill him. A plural, you. You're all in it. But I can't quite figure it. What? Why those two friends of yours who picked me up last night would go to bat for a worthless Eastern aristocrat. They
8: want to help him. Why? Well, because he's my friend. Why should anybody take a rap for killing a man like Ben Miller? You don't want him to die for it, do you? Do you? Of course not. We're trying to help him. What are you going to do?
3: Well, the Frisco police are combing the city for leads on the scene of the murder, the murder weapon, and a definite link between dead man and killer. I seem to be sitting on all three. You aren't going to the police. That depends on how fast you tell me where Caldwell is. I want to hear his version of the story.
8: I don't know where he is. I told you that.
3: Yeah, I know you did.
8: Uh, Wait. Wait now, please. Wait. Just a minute. Please. Just a minute, please.
3: Oh, will you stop it? Just listen
8: to me. I know what you think of me, and I know you don't believe me. But I wish you would just for a little while. How long? An hour or so. My brothers are flying down. He'll be here by noon. Brothers? The men you met last night. I wish him before you do anything. It won't be a mistake.
3: I wish you had hit me over the head with something.
8: That's a funny thing to say.
3: Well, what I mean is that that kind of trouble makes me mad enough to fight.
8: Yeah, Johnny. I'll go. Wait a minute. <laughs> Sit down. We're back in business
3: again, Gorgeous. Sorry. i All
8: right. Go ahead, you stubborn jerk.
3: Come in. Where's the yeah, other one? in Frisco. <laughs> Sorry I couldn't get here faster, honey. Are you all right? I'm all right, Al. Did you tell him how it happened? Yes. She told me, and we made a deal. I wouldn't phone the police until I talked to you. Still stands.
8: Can I get you anything, Al?
3: Yeah. A
7: drink would help. All right. Look, uh, Dollar,
6: for some reason, my sister fell for this kid. I guess it was the first time in her life that something decent came along for her. He wanted to marry her. And it fell to pieces when Caldwell lost his head and shot Ben.
3: What really happened, Al?
6: Ben made a lot of threats and stirred up all the mud in Nora's life. She tried to stop him, he slugged her, and that was it. Were you there? No, I wasn't there, but that's what happened. Leave it alone, Dollar. Ben had the finger on him anyway. Why not let it cool off?
3: There are a number of reasons. Unfortunately, I'm burdened down with a vague but heavy thing called ethics. Says so on my license. Another thing, if I forget it, it makes me an accessory to the killing. But most important at the moment is the fact that I'm not sure that Caldwell is guilty. Keep coming, darling. It would make more sense if you were protecting your sister instead of that punk. Would you agree? It's not true. Stay out of it, honey. Isn't that why all of you have been working so hard to keep me away from Caldwell? Because you don't want me to hear his pitch?
7: Okay, I'll take you to him. He's here in Los Angeles. Al. For the drinks.
3: I'm giving ground, Dollar. What do I get from you? You've already gotten it. I didn't call the police. Somebody is gonna blow your head off one of these times, Dollar. Is the car kind of the garage, honey? <laughs> Upstairs. Quite a come down for a cyan type. That's a good spot for him. You could live in this part of town for a hundred years, and nobody would know who you were or what you were unless you wanted them to. Up front here. Howard. Howard. It's Al, Howard. Howard. What about it, Al? What's this? We told him not to leave. No clothes. This is an empty room, Al. This
6: is where he was. You can check downstairs. He used the same the name Harris. Save it, Al. There's only one place we'll go, to Denoris.
3: I'll try the rest of this without you. You've got nothing but a mouthful of lies. I don't want any more of them. Come on. Get out of my way. Oh.
7: Here?
8: Yes, he's been here all morning. He's there right after you didn't hit outside. He's like a crater.
7: Where is
3: he? In the bedroom. You stay here. My first sight of the all important Howard Caldwell was not a pleasant one. He was face down on the bed, his head buried in the pillow, and his body shaking with sobs. It took 30 minutes of treatment, some of it not too gentle, to get him into a chair in a reasonably sane state. I'm glad you came.
7: I'm glad you found
6: me. I'm glad to talk to somebody who is isn't
3: stupid. I want you to calm down, Howard, and tell me what happened.
6: What happened? You know her, and I do, too. She didn't want to marry me. She wanted to marry my respectable name, Money.
3: Who killed Ben Miller?
6: I did. I killed him because I didn't know what else to do. Because I lived with these people, these low-class people, and I began to think like them. Because I've never thought for myself all my life. I've never done anything before. Anything. I killed Ben Miller, and it's the only thing I've ever done. All by myself.
3: (laughs) Why did you risk all this to protect him?
8: I don't know. Because there was something that drew us together. He was lost, and so was I. And I figured it was my fault I'd drawn him into my life. He hadn't drawn me into his. I thought I owed it to him. But he's a snob, isn't
3: he? Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid so.
8: He called me a tramp. Thought I guess when you take a guy like him, who wants to get away from his kind of life, and a dame like me who wants to get away from her kind, and neither one can figure it out.
4: <laughs> what can you expect but trouble?
3: I guess she summed it up as well as anybody could. I turned him in for murder, and those who try to help him as accessories. It's for the legal brains to decide whether the policyholder will live or be executed. Then item 10, $200, miscellaneous. Item 11 is item 2, transportation back to Hartford. Account total, $1,050. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
6: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and was written by Gil Dowd with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien may soon be seen in the Paramount Picture <laughs> Path. Featured in our cast were Lorene Tuttle, John McIntyre, Bob Sweeney, High Averback, John Daner, Gene Bates, and Jeanette Nolan. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. <laughs> Join us next week at the same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Roy Rowan speaking. Stay tuned now for Vaughn Monroe's Caravan, which follows immediately over most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
9: From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. This
0: is Bruce Hardwick, Mr. Dollar. Do you remember me?
3: I think I do. You're with the Corinthian Life and Liability, aren't you? That's
0: right. We have some work for you if you aren't busy.
3: I'm not. Shoot.
0: Good. Our New York office got a call from the police this morning. They had investigated some trouble on the east side and found one of our policies at the scene and wanted to find out what the company knew about the man it covered, which was very little.
3: Well, what kind of trouble was it?
0: Uh, nobody seems to know. All the signs of murder, I understand, but nobody. Will you go down and see what you can make of it?
9: Edmund O'Brien, in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Corinthian Life and Liability Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Richard Splane matter. Expense account item one, $35 trip from Hartford to the scene of the crime. A part of Manhattan where the citizens have been conditioned to sleeping through screams, gunshot, and even the odors. I was met by a homicide sergeant, and the tenement flat he took me to lived up to its first description. It did bear all the signs of murder. Except a body. Well, it must have taken a long time to accomplish all this. The place rented in the name of Richard Splaine.
10: Yeah. What's the address on his insurance policy? The number on Second Avenue. How does the report read on this so far, Sergeant? You can see everything we saw from the amount of busted furniture, a violent struggle, from the amount and placement of bud stains, a. Uh, Sustained beating of someone there by the radiator. Nobody heard it. Nobody cared if they did hear it. We've asked questions, but the people won't admit anything. They don't want to get involved. The landlady phoned us after she saw the door open and looked in. Any bloodstains out in the corridor? Haven't found any. You seen enough? Yeah, I guess so. What's this? Uh, part of some wrecked ship models. Seem to be Splaine's hobby, collecting them. Yeah, there's not much we can do. We put this flat under lock and key. We can hold it that way for a while and wait for him to come back. But that's about all until we have some concrete evidence, like a body. That would help. Are you uh, going to wait for us or follow
3: it up yourself? No, I've got that address on second. That's his wife, isn't it? And beneficiary in the policy.
10: I can't do much with her until she makes a missing persons report or something.
3: And she hasn't. Yeah. Well, if I get anything from her, I'll let you know. (laughs) Expense account item two, a dollar and a half taxi to the Second Avenue address. Mrs. Plain was a rather dumpy blonde with tousled hair and half-applied lipstick. She obviously didn't want me to come in.
11: Well, it's not that I don't want to help any way I could, Mr. Dollar. But I haven't seen much of Dick lately. We split up, you know.
3: No, I didn't.
9: Who came in here, Clara? Oh, it's something about Dick. Dick? Well, what about him? I'm sick of you getting bothered over that bum.
11: Oh, now, Mark, hold your temper. This man is from the insurance. Mr. Dollar, this is Mr. Bond.
9: Oh, I you? Okay. What's insurance
3: got to do with this? Splane had a policy on his life. Mrs. Splane is the beneficiary.
11: I uh, guess I never told you, Mark. I almost forgot about it myself. It isn't very much.
3: $35,000. How did you learn about what happened?
11: The police phoned me. Wanted to know if he was here. I told them the same as I told you. I don't even know if Dick was in or out.
3: What do you mean, in or out?
11: In port or at sea. Mm. He worked on a boat.
3: In his policy, he listed his occupation as a carpenter.
11: Well, he used to be. But since the war, he's been a ship's carpenter. He's away all the time. That's one of the reasons I dumped him.
3: That wasn't the worst.
11: Mark, you talk to Mr. Dollar while I go on and put the rest in my
0: mouth.
3: I
11: feel like I'm not half-dressed.
3: Well, what do you want to know about him? Whether he's dead or alive. You think he'd call Mrs. Plain if he was hurt and in trouble? No. I know for sure he wouldn't. When they quit, they meant it. Has there been a divorce? Not yet, it costs money. She hasn't got any. I haven't. And if Splane has, he's not letting loose. Would you happen to know if there's somebody he would turn to? The police checked the hospitals without finding him. No, I, I
9: don't know where he'd go. Hey, what makes you so sure Splane's the one that got messed up? Maybe he went to work on somebody else.
11: That's what I was thinking. One thing I can tell you from experience. Dick can take care of himself. And he's mean. But honest, that's the very best I can do.
3: Uh, Okay, thanks. Here I put my hotel room number on my card in case you want to phone. And I'll let you know if anything develops. Expense account item three, a dollar and a half to Splaine's flat. I decided that it would be easier to learn there the name of his last chip, And with that, I hoped to find someone who was closer to him than his wife. Sergeant Burns was no longer there, but a lie or two got a passkey from the landlady, and I went in. The top drawer of a battered bureau produced not only what I was looking for, but more. The name of the ship was the Tangier, and an envelope that contained a seaman's papers also contained a small address book with enough names and addresses to keep at least one investigator happy. I started to jot them down, but got no more than halfway through... I hope you don't mind, Sergeant. Hey, hey,
4: hey, hey. hey what's all this?
3: Who are you?
0: A friend of Splaine's. I, I heard you moving in here and
6: thought he was in. What happened?
3: Shut the door. What a mess. Nobody seems to know what happened.
0: Who are you? A cop?
3: Private type. You're Splane dead? Who'd want to kill him?
0: I don't know. I was only asking. him. All that blood and everything busted up.
11: Look, I I don't want to get mixed up in it. I I just knew him
6: like at the bar sometimes. Wait a minute.
3: Come on, what's the idea? Shorty, I want you to tell me about Dick's plane. No, 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 no,
6: no, stay off me. I
0: don't know much about him.
3: You knew enough to walk through his door before anyone answered it.
0: Well, sure, I
11: do that sometimes. I I come to talk to him sometimes when he's in from a trip. I can't go to them places. He tells me about them. I'd like to hear about Tangier and them places. And he shows me them ship models he makes.
3: Do you know any of the people he does?
11: Well, all I know is where he's been. He never stays in more than a week. You know, he eats at Sweeney's sometimes. That's just across the street. I can't help you, Mister. Let me go. Come What's on, your name? It don't make no difference what my name is. I don't want to get mixed up in somebody other don't anything about. Come on now, please give me a break. Will you?
3: Okay. Hey,
0: okay. what are you reaching for?
3: My wallet. Will ten bucks pay for your time?
0: Uh, sure will. Thank you. You're a good guy.
3: I'm sorry, I can't help you more. Expense account item four, $10, peace offering. I had a feeling I'd paid for lies with it and covered the possible loss by tailing the rabbity little man to an address a few blocks away. His name turned out to be Paul Krell. What was left of the afternoon was spent on routine legwork, and at six, I was on the phone in my hotel room. This is Dollar, Sergeant. Oh, how'd you make out? No, I've got nothing. Splaine and his wife separated and can't afford a divorce. She's taken up with a guy named Mark Bond. They both say they haven't seen or heard from Splane for a long time.
10: Yeah, a lot of people don't know anything about that guy.
3: Yeah. Uh, uh, it seems he's a ship carpenter. I got the name of his ship and went aboard. He's been with it for a couple of years, same one. Plies between here and North African ports. Those people don't know much about any of their crewmate's shore life, so I didn't get much few names I can check tomorrow. What's the ship? The Tangier, white flag line, Pier 80 on the East River. Have you run into anything?
10: I'm still waiting.
3: Well, you've got my hotel. Yeah,
10: thanks for calling, Dollar. Something may turn up tonight. If it does, I'll phone you first thing in the morning.
3: Johnny Dollar? This is
11: Clara's plane, Mr. Dollar.
3: Oh, hello.
11: I gotta see you right away.
3: Sure, what's up?
11: They arrested Mark. You know, you met him.
3: Yeah. They found your husband?
11: Yeah, last night. I've been down to the morgue already this morning to identify him.
3: Yeah. Where are you now?
11: I'm right downstairs from you in the lobby.
3: All right, Clara, come on up.
11: about us, Mark and me.
3: Nothing that would put the heat on Mark by itself. If they're holding him, they... they must know more.
11: I think he's lying myself. He... he couldn't prove where he was when the police said my husband died.
3: Are you sure you didn't mention that $35,000 policy to Mark?
11: I uh, don't think I ever did. No, no, I'm sure of it.
3: Why did you come here? What do you want me to do?
11: I'm... I'm trying to get up my nerve, Mr. Dollar. The real reason that I left Dick... was because I found out something awful that he was doing. Such as? He built little boats. Models. And they were hollow. He brought dope into the country inside of them. I didn't tell the police that... because I was afraid of what they'd do to me... for knowing all this time.
3: You should be. Did Mark know about it?
11: No, I never told anybody. But maybe it's important now.
3: You're right... True or untrue, it is important. On the way back to the Splane flat, I lined up the things that bore out the story. One, the remains of the ship models in his wrecked room. Two, the possibility that Paul Krell may have been a narcotics buyer. And three, the address book that could have contained a list of customers. But I didn't have a chance to do any more probing when I got there. The place was under police investigation. That's far enough, Mr. Nobody goes inside. Sergeant Burns up there? What of it? Well, I've been working with him on this. My name is Dollar, insurance investigator.
2: All right, pick you up.
3: Thanks. What's all the activity? Uncover something? Just another body. What? Yeah. First, not enough, now, too many these things. I could figure it when I got to Splane's door. Now, the evidence I'd tampered with concerned two murders. The body of Paul Krell lay beaten to death in the middle of the wrecked room.
9: In just a moment, we'll return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Edmund O'Brien. But first, how's for trying to sing it again tonight? $5,000 in cold, hard cash and $10,000 in fine prizes are waiting for the CBS listener who can solve the phantom voice mystery. Dan Seymour will be on hand with those coast-to-coast phone calls again. Alan Dale, Eugenie Baird, Bob Howard, and the Riddlers will be making the music. And remember, there's many a fine prize for solving the tuneful riddle songs that lead to the Phantom Voice mystery. It's an hour of fun and music to entertain you and perhaps pay off every Saturday night on most of the same CBS station. Here, sing it again tonight, won't you? And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
10: Yeah? The
3: guy says he knows you, wants to come in. Keep him
10: out. Oh, Dollar. How does this happen, you're showing up here? I got
3: tired waiting for your call. You were going to phone this morning if anything broke.
10: I was, huh?
3: What kind of cooperation is this? I gave you everything I got yesterday.
10: Almost, huh? The landlady tells me you came back here yesterday. You know, it's things like that that lose licenses for
3: guys like you. Climb down, Sergeant. You gave me the nod to go ahead without waiting for the police.
10: Not to mess around with evidence. I'm on the verge of putting you away 48 hours for questioning. Don't talk me into it if you don't want to go. Stay out of my hair. Okay, Sergeant. I guess we've put our
3: cards on the table. What'd
10: you come back here for yesterday?
3: To get the name of Splain's ship. I figured it would be easier to get it here than by making the rounds of the hiring halls. I told you what I got out of it a few names.
10: Mm, Come here. There's only one change when we came back here to find this body top drawer of the bureau was standing open. This envelope was torn with this stuff dumped on the top. Did you do this? No. Hey, don't touch that. Keep your hands where they belong. We're dusting that stuff for prints. Sorry. I guess I'd better get out of here, Sergeant, before you and I lock horns. You're beginning to
3: make sense, Dollar. Hmm. I thought I was, too. At least hoped so. The notebook from which I'd copied the list of names and addresses... Wasn't among the other articles dumped on the bureau top, but Sergeant Burns' threat to hold me for forty-eight hours made it easy to keep my mouth shut about it and about my having met Krell.
12: Oh.
11: Oh, did they let Mark loose?
3: Don't be funny. Of course they didn't.
11: Well, did you tell him about the little boats
12: and that?
3: I thought it was better not to. There's been another murder at your husband's place. Who? A little guy named Paul Krell. Does that name mean anything to you?
11: I never heard it before. What's it all about?
3: A lot of people are wondering. Where was Mark Bond last night?
11: They don't think he did that one, too.
3: I didn't ask. But I know how their minds work. They'll accuse Mark of going back to cover tracks. Where was he?
11: He was right here with me.
3: Any witnesses to prove that?
11: There's me? I know he was here, don't I?
3: Under $35,000 circumstances, that's hardly enough. How do I know this narcotics tale of yours is true?
11: I don't get it. Why would I admit it if it wasn't true? It's liable to get me in a lot of trouble, isn't it?
3: It could throw up a whale of a smoke screen for Mark, too.
11: All right, I'll show you something. I got one hid in the closet. Didn't hear some Yeah, yeah, he This one he called a frigate. First, you, you have to set it on something. Yeah, then you twist this thing, a mast, I think. Yeah, this part opens up.
3: Let me see that. Yeah, that's pretty.
11: Dick was always good with his hands. This is the only thing he has I got.
3: Well, maybe a chemist can prove whether or not it carried narcotics. I can't. But assuming that was the case, who did he sell to?
11: I don't know. I didn't want that kind of money. And the minute I found out one night, I I told him to get out and never mention it again.
3: That's too bad. If he was cutting in on a combination, that might account for his death. But if he was playing ball with them, it's something else. Which brings us right back to your boy, Mark. Have you thought of that?
11: I know he didn't do it. If I thought he did, would I look
4: you up?
3: I'm taking the other approach. If he was innocent... Why would you bother tossing me this model ship bone to chew on?
4: Expense,
3: Expense account, item five twenty-five dollars Blanket item, covering transportation for the rest of the day. At the address of Paul Krell, I learned what I believed to be the truth. That his association with Splane was no more than a friendly one. From the list of names I'd copied, I picked Jerome Kentner, who had the closest address. An apartment about $250 a month away from the park. Yes? Mr. Jerome Kentner? Yes. I'd like to talk to you about a man named Richard Splaine. What about... I I don't know any. I'm going to mess up away, haven't I? I'm afraid so, Mr. Kentner. But you don't have to be afraid of me. I'm not a policeman. I suppose you want to come in. I think I'd better. right. What is it? Splane is dead. He was murdered night before last. Oh, that's bad, isn't it? How did you find out about me? There's a list of names in his rooms. Yours was one of them. You bought narcotics from him? Ship models.
9: I collected them. Don't you see them there in the case? Yeah, I noticed. Who are you and what do you want?
3: Private investigator. I want to find out who killed Splane. I didn't. Why would I do that? I don't know. When did you last see him? Well, it wasn't the night before last. I don't think I have to answer all that. I don't want to blackmail you into answering them, but I will if I have to. It was last week, sometime. Tuesday, I think. How well did you know him? I met him, that's all. Met him through a friend of mine. What's this friend's name? Go ahead and blackmail. I'm not talking anymore. Huh? Suit yourself. I'll leave my phone number in case you change your mind. The next two stops yielded nothing. The names were either conveniently or coincidentally out of town. The next, Miss Francine Wells, an address on 82nd Street. Uh, Miss Francine Wells, please. In regard to what? Well, I'd rather tell her, if you don't mind. I'm afraid
0: I'll have to insist. Uh, are you a salesman?
3: No, I'm not a salesman. It's Miss Wells And
0: in... Young man, you have to tell me who you are.
12: Someone for me, Dad? I was expecting Fred, remember?
0: Yes, I remember, and this gentleman is
3: not Fred.
12: Oh. Good afternoon.
3: Hello. I'd like to talk to you if I could, Miss Wells.
12: What about? I don't know you. Do I?
3: No, you don't, but it's important that I speak to you in private, if possible.
12: Dad. Be a good guy and go in the other room for a minute.
3: And leave you alone with this stranger, I will not.
12: Oh, come on. It's probably something about work. Oh, if
0: it is, why must it be so private?
12: I'll tell you later. And if I need help, I'll scream. Now, if it is that private, keep it low. He'll be listening. What's it all about?
3: Richard Splane. Who? Richard Splain.
12: Who did you ask for here? I mean, there's been a mistake. You must have come to the wrong place.
3: If your name is Francine Wells, I haven't. It was that name and address I found in this flat.
12: How on earth would my name and address get into the apartment of a man I never heard of? Unless we have mutual friends or something.
3: Maybe you do. Your name was only one of a dozen or more.
12: I don't understand at all. Who is this Richard Splane?
3: Maybe you knew him without knowing his name. He sold narcotics. He's been murdered.
12: No. What do I do? I am a pushover for a shocker, aren't I?
3: I'm sorry. It just worked out that way.
12: You aren't sorry. Well, sit down. I guess you're going to stay here, huh? I'll stand up. I knew this day would get here. I dreamed about it.
3: Here
4: it is.
12: What happened to you?
3: Well, I'm not being paid to press the narcotics charge. I'm trying to find out who killed him. Being paid? By his insurance company. When did you see him last?
12: A day or two ago. What, what are these names you mentioned?
3: So far, all customers.
12: You have the list?
3: I made a copy of it.
12: And do you think that one of them is the name of whoever killed this sprain? I really didn't know his name.
3: How did you run into him?
12: I don't think that's important. I was introduced to him by a friend.
3: Not a man named Mark Bond, by any chance? Or a woman named Clara, Splane's wife?
12: No, I I don't know anything about him. Just enough to watch for the date of his ship when he was due to arrive. I suppose the government man would be the next to show up at my door.
3: It's not up to me. I can't promise you any help, but I... I want you to look at this list of names and... Tell me if you know any of them. Anything I can do, I will do.
12: No, I don't know any of them. I feel sorry for them. I don't want to sound as if I feel sorry for myself. I don't. I was going to say I thought he deserved to be killed, but it's not his fault any more than it's the fault of... Oh, what difference does it make?
3: I want to leave my card with you in case there's something you haven't told me. I'll jot down my hotel. Most of the others I got to were pretty much the same. Mixtures of fear, desperation, sometimes defiance, and usually fatalism by the end of it. I arbitrarily set the name J.L. Tucker as the last for that day. He lived in a cold water spread close to Greenwich Village, and he was different.
0: Doesn't make any difference who knows it. I've been through these things before, so you're wasting your time. You asked me how I got in touch with Splane? <laughs> I knew his wife, that's how. She was shilling for him before they got tired. Go ask her. Here's her address. <laughs>
3: Dollar, I just left a man named Tucker. He said he knew you. I thought I'd better call. Oh, Tucker.
11: How'd you find him?
3: He tells me you made the contacts for your husband before you separated.
11: That's a lie. Why would he say it? Well, I knew about Tucker. One night it came up. He he admitted he was looking for somebody, and I told him about Dick. I didn't know what I was doing. I was stiff.
3: I've spent a long day, and we're back to you, Chubby. Now, look, don't decide to leave town expense account item six four dollars dinner at my hotel item seven same amount few brandies at the bar i had the idea i'd spent a lot of energy for nothing until the elevator dropped me at my floor and i turned the corner toward my room
12: it's all right If you left your card with me, you must have expected something.
3: I left my card a lot of places I didn't expect you, Miss Wells.
12: You don't seem to have had any other take.
3: Come on in. Well?
12: You said if there was anything else I wanted to tell you.
3: Yeah?
12: Well, uh, there is. It goes a long way back. I, I don't know how these things happen to some people and not others. I was no angel, but I was all right.
3: Come on. Come on, sit down over here.
12: I've always told myself that some people get bitten by rattlesnakes and others don't. But it's not the same. It was in school, after a party. Neither one of us had any sense. He got it from somebody. Who was this? In Pennsylvania. His name was Phil. I, I don't know. I came home never saw him again. But that was the start of it. It was only two years ago. I knew it would end. I kept wondering how. Now it hasn't.
3: What are you trying to tell me?
12: I killed Richard Splane. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Why? Because I went to him without any money, and he laughed at me. I don't know what happened to me. I picked up something and started to hit him. I hit him. I hit him. I hit him.
3: Why didn't you tell me this before?
12: Because I thought I could go through with it. But I can't. If it happened this time, I don't want to go on anymore. I went to him without any money, and I picked up the first thing I touched and started to beat him.
3: What was that? I
12: don't even remember.
3: An andiron?
12: iron? Yes, I think that's what it was.
3: And Paul Krell, you killed him too? Yes.
12: I don't know. Yes, I did. I must have. And I don't care. I don't
3: care. Well, that was a good try, but it won't work. This wasn't a woman's killing, no matter how desperate she was. You want me to go? Or do you want to stay here?
12: Please. Please, I did it. I did it. Isn't that enough? Haven't I done enough?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid you have. <laughs> you. Where's my daughter? I want to talk to you about her. Where is she? Mr. Wells, somewhere in this apartment, if you haven't destroyed it, there's a piece of very important evidence.
0: What's that you say?
3: A notebook containing a lot of names, among them your daughters.
0: Oh, she told you this?
3: Well, hardly. She was trying to protect you. She confessed to killing Richard Splane. They
0: haven't arrested her. Not yet.
3: She was lying here you know that. I'm afraid I do, Mr. Wells. Uh, I'm glad.
0: I told her about it after I heard you leave. Are you married? No. If you were, and you were my age, and had a daughter, you'd understand. You know what it's like to watch her change. I didn't know for a long time. I wondered, and I followed her. And when I learned the truth, I killed him. Surely, you you don't blame me. (laughs)
3: I turned Wells over to the police, not Sergeant Burns, and heard him explain his second killing, that of Paul Krell, who had arrived as Wells was looking for any traces his daughter might have left at Splane's. Remarks? Don't question the policy payoff to Clara Splaine, in spite of the fact that she hardly deserves it. Expense account item seven, same as item one. Expense account total, $375. Yours truly... Johnny Dollar.
9: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien may soon be seen in the Paramount Pictures production Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were Herb Butterfield, Raymond Burr, Joe Gilbert, Bill Boucher, Howard McNear, Barry Kroger, and Mary Lansing. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. This is Bob Stevenson inviting you to join us next week at this time, when we'll again bring you Edmund O'Brien as... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Have you met the Coopers, Liz and George? They're the young married couple who keep things humming and keep you laughing in that hilarious domestic comedy, My Favorite Husband, broadcast every Saturday night over most of these same CBS stations. So, tune in every Saturday night to My Favorite Husband. And now stay tuned for Vaughn Monroe's Caravan, which follows immediately over most of these same Columbia stations. This is CBS, The Star's Address, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
2: Thanks for joining us for 1001 Radio Days, your home for golden age radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.